All art is based on how far you can push the technology. So the more facile, the more fluid the technology, the easier it is to actually do your art. And in this particular case, I looked at it and I said, there's a lot of things that I think can be improved here. Primarily editing, which is the thing I was the most interested in, and special effects, which is the other thing that I was interested in. Then right after Star Wars, I decided there was possibility here of digital technology to be introduced into the process of making movies. So we started the computer division. We put together a group of guys headed by Ed Catmull. We built a digital editing system, which was the Edit Droid, which we eventually sold to Avid. And it proved that it was much, much easier to cut digitally than it was to cut physically on film. And the same thing with the Sound Droid, which was a digital sound system, um, a um, laser printer to bring images in and out of a computer, uh, and uh, Pixar, which was a special purpose graphics computer. And these were primarily to ease the process of editing and doing special effects. The film business at that time, with the exception of Lucasfilm, did not care at all about high technology. For them, computer graphics was completely irrelevant. Lucasfilm really was the only place at that time willing to take a risk. And George did take the risk. Points is Jason. And this is Gabe. We're finally back. We're back to Star Wars. I, rem I remember Star Wars. I think I still like Star Wars. Actually, we're we're mostly back to Star Wars. Uh, as we get into the episode, there's a little bit of a transition here. There's a little bit of uh, Indiana Jones still mixed into this. So we're, we're kind of taking it easy back into Star Wars. But uh, we're starting slow, but by the end of this episode, we're going to be all in on a lot of Star Wars. <laughs> it all goes back to Return of the Jedi, and we're going to keep that going. You know, and we're talking about, with this episode, with going back into Star Wars after a longer-than-expected little vacation into Indiana Jones territory. We're, we're diving back in with what probably is the hottest Star Wars topic there is right now, right? It's the thing everybody is talking about. As we record this, San Diego Comic-Con is going on. Literally everybody on the floor is talking about this Star Wars topic. That's right. It's the edit droid. ILM Lucasfilm's edit droid 
machine from incredibly what 1984 was when they kind of debuted it to the public. It was a long time ago. We're talking about the edit droid and we're talking about the infamous laser disc that was used to promote the edit droid at what like a Las Vegas elect broadcasters or electronics convention. It's the hottest Star Wars topic there is. And we say that jokingly, but like all forgotten things in Star Wars history, somehow the edit droid has made a huge impact on the greater picture of Star Wars and kind of everything about entertainment today as we know it. When this episode is over, if you want to know more, there's a really great documentary on YouTube about the edit droid called Edit Droid, The Rise and Fall by this guy, Tom Van, forgive me here, I'm going to mispronounce this, Tom Van Kilgeren. The link is in the show notes. There's a lot of interview with the people responsible for the edit droid, including lots of Ben Burt, of course, because if it's something bizarre and underrated and hugely influential from Lucasfilm history, somehow Ben Burt is always involved. Yeah, and if you're unfamiliar with edit droid, so back in, I mean, technically the very end of the 70s, very early 1980s, Lucas started a company called DroidWorks, uh, and the goal of that was pioneering nonlinear sound and video editing. And it initially was kind of two areas, something called SoundDroid, uh, and I think it was called just EdDroid, and that eventually became called EditDroid. But basically, Madman Lucas uh, in the early 80s was like, there's got to be a way to edit this stuff digital. This is silly why are we doing this you know why are we cutting tape still we're, we're in the future it's the 1980s it's the future let's figure this out you know what like reading all of this stuff and doing research on the edit droid reminded me of it reminded me of when we talked to rose dignan and she talked about how what was it in the post-production for maybe it was return of the jedi maybe it was a new hope i can't remember how she was talking to Lucas and Lucas said he wished he had a black box that could just do everything he imagined. And you think of like him kind of pioneering these crazy ideas of how do we make this whole process easier when like that middle area, which was digital technology, was barely even a thing in the late 70s, early 80s. But he was just Typical Lucas way, let's get the smartest people I can find together and just let's just try and come up with something and see what happens. Like that's the way Industrial Light and Magic was born. That's the way all of this stuff came to be. Yeah, and he had all this Star Wars money. So it's like, what what is he going to do? Build a yacht? No, he's going to spend, what did they say in the documentary? Like $40 million just researching and, and paying these people to figure out how to do digital editing. So from a 2021 Lucasfilm.com article, it says Lucasfilm's computer group was established in 1979 and later became a full-fledged division. Computer scientist and artist Ed Catmull had been recruited from the New York Institute of Technology to form a group for the research and development of computer-based filmmaking tools. Again, this is 1979. 
Applications would include digitized film scanning and graphics, digitally processed sound, and a non-linear editing system. The article goes on to say that Catmull would recruit former colleague Ralph Guggenheim to help oversee nonlinear editing. They envisioned a system by which motion picture film could be digitally scanned into a computer, edited in a way that allowed for random, instant access of clips, and reprinted to film at the end of the process. They received input from traditional editors as the system was designed to adapt to the standard workflow of the older tools. Thinking that way... In the late 70s, like I was saying, it's just nuts. But that's George Lucas, I guess, right? Well, and it's really fascinating going into the documentary because, um, you know, I think Ben Burt's kind of talking about this, This how when they were developing Editroid, this was before the Macintosh computers came out, before the concept of really using a mouse was something that people even knew what was or could comprehend. And they were kind of dealing with this idea of, making something that people who are used to cutting, you know, film on a moviola or, or something and, you know, physically turning dials and, and, and cutting things with a razor blade and translating that to a computer screen where, you know, you're moving a big trackball around um, onto a button on screen and, and clicking a physical button that's clicking a virtual button. And just in addition to the, you know, the general technical problems of making this all work under the hood it also had to be presented in a way that a traditional video editor could understand and and adapt to well and i think something to remember with all of this going forward is george lucas was an is an editor at heart like in everything we've ever talked about with george lucas every biography you ever read he started as an editor. That was always his passion. And, you know, even when you read about the making of any of his movies, his movies are formed in the edit room. Like, that's where he's, like, the happiest with, like, changing things around and, like, what if we did things this way? And you can tell by reading and doing research on the edit droid that even in the late 70s, early 80s, his mind was already thinking of what eventually he would be able to do with the prequels, like the freedom that he had. Well, and, and the other really fun thing with this documentary too, is just kind of, it gives you some backstory and context to kind of how Ben Burt became so much uh, an integral part of the prequel production and how he kind of ended up helping with editing. Like his experiments with edit droid kind of, I think, you know, kind of proved that this was something that he was into and something that him and Lucas shared uh, in common, I think, is just kind of kind of pushing what you could do in the edit room. And a lot of what ultimately, yeah, like you said, ended up happening in uh, Phantom Menace and definitely in Attack of the Clones and, and Revenge of the Sith kind of goes back to these experiments with edit droid. So the result of this whole idea that George Lucas had with this nonlinear editing system would turned out to be this this big machine that eventually was called the edit droid with multiple screens playing footage and an interface all controlled by dials and they it didn't use film it used a laser disc which is wild to think of well and it's neat cuz the you know because of the limitations of the the technology at the time what they ended up with was these laser discs that were full of footage and you would edit technically like you're editing video. And then the idea would be once you had your edit, you would kind of have a list of what 
frames and everything you needed, and then they would go cut the film to match what you edited in Editroid. Like they hadn't figured out how to keep it at film resolution and then actually print it back on film yet. So it was kind of a, a compromise, but still let you kind of have a lot of the benefits of digital editing, even though it was too soon to do everything that they wanted. And a name brought up a lot in the documentary, a person who's in the documentary a lot and a very important person going forward was this guy, John Sinclair, who was the, the edit droid project coordinator. And he was kind of the person that Lucas brought on to make this whole thing a reality, hired people to work on this project. And then in a 1984 National Association of Broadcasters Electronics Conference, there was a demo showing off what the edit droid could do. And it was using a laser disc of raw footage from Return of the Jedi, kind of showing what was possible. And that's going to come come into play later in this episode as we take a very close look at that infamous laser disc. But there's there's a quote here that's interesting from Lucasfilm team member Rob Lay, who was talking to a historian Michael Rubin. He said, "We needed to put the films in the hands of people as a democratization of the medium." We needed to make editing systems that people could use to write like a pen, make a word processor for video. I mean, and nowadays, you know, anybody with a computer or with an an app on a phone has this power at their fingertips. But that's the crazy thing. Again, like in the late 1970s, early 1980s, this is like future talk. Right. Like there was... I think a couple other companies experimenting this with editing video, but kind of, I think as far as translating that to to film and filmmaking, you know, Lucasfilm here was really at the forefront. And again, at the forefront, Ben Burt was total madman, was going in after hours to use the edit droid to edit his private camcorder movies. Because he just, it was like, oh, something new. I want to learn about this. No, and really, I think this whole documentary is just so great. But yeah, the Ben Bird parts just reminds you of just what a gem of a human being Ben Bird is. And then, you know, there's, you know, George Lucas is crazy and everyone loves to talk about George Lucas. But just the fact that, yeah, Ben Bird, he's there. He has the opportunity. He just wants to make movies and do cool stuff that, yeah, it's literally like I've been making cam- camcorders renew. So he's been making camcorder movies. And yeah, he's basically like coming in on his free time to test out this cutting edge digital editing system. And it helped. Like it made a huge difference. And he goes into how, you know, it, the project was kind of almost stalled until he was going in and testing it and giving them valuable feedback and figuring out what was working, what wasn't working. Um, and also working on his own kind of personal editing skills. Like it was just the right person at the right time to just go in and figure this stuff out. Ben Burke calls himself the test pilot of the edit droid, which of course he was. Ben Burke did uh, in a, ta- a talk, I think earlier in the summer at the Academy Museum in Los Angeles. And he was talking about how he used the edit droid for parts of his IMAX educational film that was about the Alamo that was released in 1988. And that was the first movie 
shot on film and edited on the edit droid by Ben Burt and his crew. Yeah, and because we can't totally give up Indiana Jones yet, the other big experiment in use of edit droid was young Indiana Jones. And it was the first kind of real test of edit droid. They realized that, you know, they were shooting on 16 millimeter and, you know, to get through so many episodes and doing them so quickly, I think, what were they saying? They were doing like each episode, they had six weeks per episode. Uh, they decided to use edit droid. And uh, a lot of the documentary is uh, another editor, uh, Edgar Berkson, who's a Dutch film editor who came uh, to the U S uh, worked at the ILM in the 80s um, and got an Emmy for his editing work on Young Indiana Jones. Kind of, you know, he talks about the use of Edit Droid uh, as well in getting those Young Indiana Jones out and doing the things that they were doing on a TV budget. Ben Burt's episode of Young Indiana Jones, which is a perfect example, and he goes into it how he did use the Edit Droid for this. Attack of the Hawkmen, still available on Disney Plus in the U.S. as of recording this. The, the the Attack of the Hawkman episode is all about like these World War One like plane pilots and stuff. He had no plane photography, so he went out and shot with model ships and edited the model ships into his live action footage with the edit droid. So therefore, he knew exactly how many shots he would need, how many visual effect shots he would need when they and where they needed to go. And this sounds like, as you're listening to this, you're probably just like, well, yeah, of course, that's like, you know, previs. That's what people do now. But you got to think this is way before that. This is, you know, this is light years before anyone was doing stuff like this. But then when we saw all that stuff from the prequels where they would have that rough footage of like Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson and they would cut to computer animation of destroyer droids rolling in and stuff that was all because of the edit droid and kind of them just messing around figuring out what they could do with this kind of new way of digital filmmaking well it's kind of like you know they started a little bit of this videomatic type stuff with the the speeder chase in return of the jedi you know just with with camcorders and now here it's gotten to the point with with the computer that Ben could just do that himself, and then yeah, by the prequels, it's like they're literally just comping in rough stuff right in the in the software, you know, and just taking a clip from a different scene and putting it in as placeholder and all kinds of crazy stuff. That yeah, they just kept building off of that. It's like I was saying in the beginning. It's the fascinating thing with the edit droid that it it is this symbol of this missing middle piece of. Wouldn't it be great if we could do something and how it was actually done in the end? And it's like, well, okay, well, why isn't the edit droid still a thing? Why isn't the edit droid talked about all the time? Why isn't it more well known? Well, at a certain point, George Lucas didn't want to continue with the edit droid because as a business venture, it wasn't selling. And then along comes this company, maybe you've heard of Avid, with using digital memory versus Laserdisc. And they had much more possibilities. And by 1993, Lucasfilm sold the edit droid technology to Avid. And kind of the rest is history, right? Yeah, because at that point, you know, digital video editing was a thing. It was a software that people could just could buy. And, you know, since then, yeah, it's just like we said, it's just exploded. There's multiple different companies making software on computers. There's free stuff on computers. You can do it on your phone now, like... 
it's like a word processor. It's anyone can edit video now and it's, you know, it's, you don't even think about it. But like we said, the edit droid opened up a door to a new technology that literally changed the way everyone made movies, did stuff at home. Like not everyone is a Ben Burt editing their videos. I mean, think of every single video that is uploaded to YouTube that has editing on it. Would that be, I mean, maybe I'm reaching here. I don't know. But would that be possible without George Lucas sitting around in San Francisco in the early 1980s being like, boy, I wish this was easier. (laughs) Well, maybe not YouTube, but definitely every movie you go see at the theater would be different because, you know, thinking about doing this, not just for video and not just for digital, because this is before, you know, there was digital cameras, right? So it was like part of the idea here that that he was pushing for was let's do this for for film because you know we literally have to take film scan film into the computer and then print film out which you know they did figure that out eventually but you know up until digital cameras kind of became the norm scanning film was just the way they did it and even this day there's still i mean oppenheimer just came out and they didn't do the visual effects like on <laughs> On film, that movie was scanned at some point to be edited and then printed back out to film. Like, it still happens. It's still a thing. And and that's, yeah, maybe the bigger legacy of Edit Droid was like, let's do this stuff for film. I would say George Lucas is a future man. There aren't many people in the world that are future people. George Lucas is a future person. Ben Burt is a future person. People that are thinking of wild stuff that the rest of the world isn't going to catch up with until like 20, 30 years later. I want to call Ben Burt on the phone and just be like, what are you thinking about? And I'm going to write that down and put it in a box and open it up 30 years later. And Ben Burt's going to be right. Little, little do we know that George Lucas has half of the dial of destiny and Ben Burt has the other half. <laughs> the future versions of them went back in time and told the past versions of them. This is how it's going to be. You got to figure this stuff out. And you know, both of them know full well about continental drift. (laughs) Ben Burt probably secretly made a documentary film in his basement, all just about continental drift. He's probably way into continental drift. The edit droid had a big dial on it. Oh my God. Oh my God. So yeah, let's leave it at that. filmmaking is really all about because it's the one time you get a chance to create something out of material and actually deal directly with an audience all the other times you're you're sort of generating material or supplies it's like uh, making a film is like buying lumber or cutting down trees and making making wood out of it where editing is like actually constructing a house I mean you actually can see it you can see what you're doing and deal with it everybody says you know well, the script doesn't work, but we'll fix it later. And they said, well, we're shooting this, but it isn't really working, but we'll fix it in the editing. Well, the editing is where it's got to be fixed. If it doesn't work there, the movie doesn't work. So that's, to me, the most exciting part. Okay, so here we go. This is the next phase of the saga of the edit droid. So we talked about... That laser disc that was used for the 1984 demo, 
showing off raw footage from Return of the Jedi. So in 2013, that Laserdisc, the Edit Droid Demo Disc, sold for $699 on eBay to Charlie Owen. He has posted it on YouTube. The link, just like the other links, will be in the show notes. But the world owes thanks to Charlie Owen for letting everyone in the letting everyone see this. Yeah, I remember I remember when this happened and before anybody bought it, it was like, holy cow, somebody needs to buy this. And nobody knew if whoever bought it was gonna share it or just like put it in a vault somewhere. So the yeah, the fact that we can all view this is just is a gift. A gift to the world. Like Charlie Owen was like interviewed on like his local like TV news channel and stuff. Never before seen outtakes from the original Star Wars trilogy are going viral. And the man who found the gem lives right here in Central Virginia. CBS 19's Suzanne Wilson joins us now with more on this amazing find. Suzanne. Dana Michelle, Charlie Owen is a diehard Star Wars fan who is just treating himself to a 40th birthday present. He ended up buying more than he realized when he discovered 30 minutes of unseen Return of the Jedi footage. In the deep dark corners in Star Wars fandom history, like going all the way back to 2013. We're just one year after the Disney sale. We knew there were going to be new movies. Everyone was kind of focusing on that. Like, oh my God, J.J. Abrams is going to make a new, is he going to make all three of them? Is it going to be one movie? Maybe we even got like an announcement for Rogue One at that point. I can't even remember. It was, it was an exciting, weird time, but in there, was this edit droid footage too, <laughs> which was like, what? It's raw, unedited footage from Return of the Jedi, but really just one scene. What we're going to be doing here is we're going to be watching all 30 minutes of the edit droid footage, which is, again, just one scene over and over and over again, but different takes of it. Yeah. So hopefully you like Yoda because there's a lot of Yoda. It's 30 minutes. It's about 50 takes of one scene. So we're basically going to be watching the Yoda and Luke scene from Return of the Jedi about 50 times, which I knew. But even back when Return of the Jedi came back out into movie theaters, I knew we were going to be doing this episode eventually. And I was like, good God. Let's let's do it. We got to do it. Let's do it. So if you want to watch along with us, watch along with us. Or if you want to listen, just listen. Because really... If you've seen the scene, you know what you're seeing. Yes. So we are starting at uh, about 30 seconds in right when the footage starts. Again, uploaded by Charlie Owen. Charlie, if you're listening, wherever you are, huge thank you to us all. You've done the world a huge favor. So we're going to hit play. There's no going back. We're going to watch the unedited Edit Droid Laserdisc. Here we go. On one. So here we go. Three, two, one. Oh my God. Okay. So here we have Luke's X Wing with R2D2 underneath. R2D2's got a really long arm, like working on stuff. I don't, did he always have, does he have that in the real movie? He's got like a three foot long arm. I thought, no, that's, that's the landing leg. No, see, his little arm comes out. Oh my God. <laughs> 
How did I never notice that? That can't. That's not in the real movie, is it? The scene? No, it can't be. It's like he's got a fishing pole. I've never seen Return of the Jedi. No. Well, you know what? I said you don't have to watch the actual footage. Maybe you do because you got to see R two D 2s giant three foot long arm coming out. Well, and technically, okay, this isn't the. I mean, there is this isn't the Yoda scene yet. So there is another scene in here, and it's yeah, it's R two D two with a three foot long arm working on the X wing. Okay, here we go. Now we're getting into the Yoda stuff. We got Yoda's hut, smoke coming out of it. Pretty cool. Yeah. Some root leaf stew brewing in there. Yeah, like, uh, here we go. Oh, here, here we, we go. go. Okay. Here we go. Oh, boy. There's Yoda looking at his stew. That fish you make. Look, I still bad to young eyes, hmm? Okay, that's no, like the first well, Yoda says, look, I so bad yes. to young eyes. Yes, yes right. Yes, I do. Sick have I become. Old and weak. When 900 years old you reach, look as good you will not. Hmm? You can't We're die, Mr. Yoda. Strong with a force am I, but not that strong. <laughs> So much breathing. Now you take six. You can hear Marquand's voice in there. I, I think that's just Frank Oz being tired. <laughs> like, that's not even Yoda breathing. That's just Frank Oz. That's us by the end of this episode. Strong am I with a force, but not that strong. Twilight is upon me, and soon uh, night must fall. That is the way of things, the way of the Force. So much breathing. But I need your help. I feel ready to complete the training. No more training do you require. I already know you, that which you need. And I am a Jedi. Oh, oh, oh. It's interesting how the, how I feel like this take is much faster, much faster. Vader, Vader, you must confront. Then, only then, a Jedi will you be, and confront him you will. You know, earlier there was Yoda getting getting his feet in the bed, and even watching this raw footage, I will never understand how the Yoda puppet gets its feet in the bed. <laughs> It's true. It's real movie magic. But I must know. He takes six. Okay, here we go. We're in another cut. The rest I need. Yes, the rest. Master Yoda, I must know. So much breathing. Your father, he is. Told you, did he? Yes. I love this because it's like the live theater version of Return of the Jedi. 
ROTJ on stage. Unfortunate that you rushed to face him, that incomplete was your training, that not ready for the burden were you. Obi-Wan would have told you long ago had I let him. There you go. That's it right there. Yep. Obi-Wan would have told you if I let him. If I let him. That is that is not in the movie. But that is huge. Like we can we can talk over this to talk about that. That according to this scene. Oh, whoa. Okay, wait a minute. No oh my god. <laughs> Yoda just died and got sucked into the bed. It turned into Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> I take back everything I said about you don't have to watch the footage. <laughs> Sorry, we're, trying, we're getting deep here, and, and yeah, Yoda got sucked into the bed. <laughs> That's what happens to you if you start thinking about the fact that Obi-Wan would have told Luke. Yoda was still pulling the strings. But still, that is huge. That is huge. That Obi-Wan, imagine, in, in because you think of Yoda saying that, and then think of the scene in A New Hope. When Obi-Wan pauses and like hesitates for a minute and thinks about it. Yeah, he's thinking about Yoda being pissed if he tells him. <laughs> right. Like, Obi-Wan at that moment is like, I cannot tell him. Like, if they already talk, if Obi-Wan and Yoda already talked about, like, Luke is going to come, the droids are there on Tatooine, this whole thing is happening. Like, we've been contacted by Bail Organa, Luke is going to come, this is it, this is the moment. And if Yoda was like, don't tell him. Suffer your father's fate, you will. I'm sorry, I'm distracted by Luke holding Yoda's hand while he whispers. So much whispering now, it's so good. The force flows strong in your family. Pass on what you have learned. Man. Oh, Frank Oz. There is another I think what's cool, too, in a lot of these takes, he doesn't fully say there is another sky. Skywalker. It's like there's another sky. Yeah, this is just, this is riveting. It really is. D take three. Oh. All right, now we're at a new take. Close up on Yoda. Breathing. Luke. 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 When gone am I? Last of the Jedi will you be? It wasn't this much close-up whispering in in the final movie. No. For those of you not watching the footage, 
you got the Yoda puppet, and then you got Mark Hamill with his ear right to Yoda's mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. oh. It's kind of, like as sad as it is when he dies in the real movie. These are like even more like traumatic. <laughs> He's like really dying in some of these. Oh, <laughs> oh there he goes. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because this is now we're in a new take here. That's it's a little closer to the angle I think from the final movie. Uh, if you can give me the feedback, oh, Frank. Unexpected, this is unfortunate. Unfortunate that I know the truth. Unfortunate that you rushed to face him, you did. That incomplete was your training. That not ready for the burden were you. Obi-Wan would have told you long ago had I let him. Now, a great weakness you carry. The Obi-Wan line again. Now a great weakness you carry. Fear for you, I do. Why did they cut that out? I know. I wonder if it's the thing of of making it more ambiguous whether Yoda wanted him (laughs) wanted him to kill Vader? Because that's always, I mean, that's still kind of the thing is like you know, did Yoda and Obi-Wan know what Luke was going to do was the right way, or did they still want him to kill him? And this is definitely Yoda saying, you knowing he's your father is a weakness, because we want you to kill him. And Obi-Wan always wanted to tell you. Sick have I become. Old and weak. So this is fascinating. Now, now we just got the, the camera just on Mark Hamill for his reactions. <laughs> Soon will I rest. Yes, forever sleep. Earned it, I have. What's. Is that a window next to his face on the left, or is there a giant diamond on on Yoda's wall? Do you know I've I've wondered that for 40 years? (laughs) I always said it was some mystical stone, yeah. Ready. You know, I've never thought about that. That's a real fire next to the Yoda puppet. Yeah. And and you know Frank Oz can't see that good. <laughs> right? He's what? like underneath the stage. And yeah, there are however many tens of thousands of dollars that Yoda puppet cost is literally inches from a fire. If that Yoda puppet caught on fire, it that'd be a disaster. <laughs> That face you make. Look at so bad to young eyes, hmm? All right, back to Mark and the crystal. Of course not. I do. Yes, I do. Just the H, take two. Then I am a Jedi. Oh. <laughs> Not yet. One thing remains. Vader. Vader, you must confront. 
then, only then. I wonder in these scenes, is Frank Oz just doing the the lines, or is he doing a rough puppeteering of Yoda to give him something to look at? It's a good question. If I had to guess, I would say just the lines, but who knows? Master Yoda, is Darth Vader my father? A rest I need. Yes, a rest. Master, I must know. Somewhere there's the equivalent of this for every scene from every Star Wars movie. And I would watch that all. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we've we've said it before. It's like it's a shame Disney Plus doesn't just have a channel on there that literally just shows anything and everything 24 hours a day. It's two in the morning. All the takes of I don't even know are going on. I would get up and watch it. Lando walking through a hallway in The Empire Strikes Back. We're going to show you every take of Lando walking through a hallway. I'd be like, this is the greatest day of my life. An hour of takes of Chewbacca finding the meat in the woods. Chewie's just a dead animal. Now, a great weakness you carry. Yeah, we're back to Mark Hamill reactions here. I do. Master, I'm sorry. Face Vader, you must. It's, it's interesting to hear, too, how sorry will not help. Frank Oz's onset Yoda voice is a little less Yoda than in the final film when he probably goes back and, and, and just focuses completely on the voice. The dark side are they. Easily they flow. Quick to join you in a fight. Once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny. Look. Look. Let's take. Mm-hmm. Keep that little. And action, Frank. Also, the <laughs> the amazingness of the Yoda puppet. It really is. All the forty plus years. Oh, here he is getting in the bed again. I don't. I don't understand. Well, remember, there's no bed underneath him, so it's just. Right. It's Frank Oz and his assistant, who I can't remember. Their name right now, probably one of them doing the head and the arms and another doing the legs. Twilight is upon me, and soon night must fall. That is the way of things, the way of the Force. Head back. Fascinating to Marquand giving Yoda direction. Head back. Yeah. Already know you that what you need. Then I am a Jedi. <laughs> is that faint sound you hear in the background? Is that the like the flickering light? Whoa! And there he goes, Yoda out. The like because there's like clearly like a light simulating the fire. Then. Oh yeah, probably maybe. Jedi, will you be? Head back. And confront him, you will. Master Yoda Is Darth Vader my father? 
the rest I need. Yes, a rest. Good cut. Nice move. Good pick up. He's okay, Mark. Action. Theodore, I'm sorry. Face Vader, you must. And sorry will not help. Also, Yoda saying, "Face Vader, you must." I'm sorry, I won't help. Well, it's almost like in the in the extra lines, it kind of makes Yoda seem more like a jerk. Drink flows from the Force, but beware of anger, fear, aggression. The dark side are they. It's emphasizing more of like you're on your own, and yeah, you should have known earlier. But now you're on your own, and this is like real serious stuff. Just fascinating what they cut. And I wonder what the process, I mean, the edit droid, like, like with the decision of being like, that line should go, that line should go. The Emperor. Or suffer your father's fate. Back to whispering and hand holding. Little Yoda fingers. When gone am I? I want to hold Yoda's hand. Last of the Jedi, I do too. Will you be? The Force flows strong. I want a giant, large, human-sized Yoda hut Last to go in and sleep in. I would do it. We're huge people too, and we would make it work. Yeah. Well, where's like, where's that at the? Uh, at Galaxy's Edge, like a, a Yoda hut scaled up so a normal human feels like they're Yoda-sized. And you can just go in and eat stew and lay in the bed. Oh, I was thinking like you're like Luke size, but you'd be Yoda size. Yeah. An oversized Dagobah you can walk around in. I didn't know where we are. And here's we're at a take where you can kind of see where they had had problems with the eyes in this Yoda puppet. This Yoda's got the crazy eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yoda's having a real rough time in this one. Well, and this take is fascinating too because it started just like a kind of a close up on Yoda's face. Yeah. And just like. Five minutes ago, I was saying Yoda looked incredible, but in that that close-up, he looked like pure rubber. Yeah. But now here, when he lays down with the lighting and everything, now it's like, okay, that's Yoda again. Perfect. That is the way of things. The way of the Force. But I need your help. I feel ready to complete the training. No more training do you require. You know, the really underrated thing with Yoda... And Frank Oz's puppeteering and his whole team that he was with having a puppet cough. Yeah. Not yet. One thing remains. Vader. You must confront Vader. Then, only then, a Jedi will you be. I said it earlier, but this is all. It's. It is riveting. I can't. I can't stop. I can't take my eyes off it. No. Is Darth Vader my father? I glance this way. 
and turn. Rest. Like they could yes. do like the Beatles Get Back documentary where it was just we were just watching the raw footage. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just an all Yoda documentary from Empire and Jedi. Just all the Jedi, all the Yoda stuff. I could just listen to Frank Oz be like, I need some more blinking. Dave. Face Vader, you must. And sorry will not help. Remember. Do you think at that conference, somebody sat down and edit droid and was like, I, I just want to watch all 30 minutes of footage. Just push other people out of the way. Yeah. The guy is like, oh, yeah, and the, the edit droid and nonlinear editing. And the person's just like, shut up. I just need to watch. Did he just say Obi-Wan was going to tell him? <laughs> Running around the convention, high-fiving everybody. <laughs> yeah. The person just passes out. <laughs> Forever will it dominate your destiny. Look. Somebody invents cell phones so they can call someone. I'm at this convention and they're playing 30 minutes of raw Return of the Jedi footage. Someone ran to the post office and wrote a letter and mailed it to their friend. You will never believe it. You never believe where I am right now. Unfortunate that you rushed to face him. That incomplete was your training. That not ready for the burden were you. They could have showed this footage at a celebration. This could have been the whole panel. Like, hey, come to this panel. We're going to play 30 minutes of unedited footage of Yoda and Luke from the hut in Return the Jedi. Packed. Put that in the biggest room at celebration. Yeah. Hear Yoda tell Luke he has a big weakness on the biggest screen possible. Vader, you must. And sorry, will not help. Yeah, look how close he is to the fire. That's terrifying. I know, it's really scary. <laughs> it's going to catch on fire. Man, what do you think they have in that pot to look just look how much? Oh, must, I wonder if there's like dry ice in there just to get that extra bit of steam. Could be dry ice, yeah. That's a steaming stew he's got going. Really hot root leaf. That face you make. Look, I so bad to young eyes. Mm-hmm. I do. Yes. It's so crazy. That's like yes, the shot of Yoda when he turns around and says, like, yes, I do. But it's so weird not having that magical Return of the Jedi lighting on him, you know? When 900 yeah. years old you reach, look as good you will not. Hmm? <laughs> wow, this angle's... Yoda's head looks huge. Yeah. Breathing. And we and action. That is the way of things. The way of the Force. But I need your help. I feel so ready it's like, to complete the training. 
on the far right, it looks like it's a hole that goes out into the outside of the hut. But the magical crystal on the wall right by Luke's shoulder, I don't know what that is. I got to go back and watch Return of the Jedi and look for that crystal on the wall. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it is like, it's like a glowing crystal, like it's like a light. Which would be cool if it is and Yoda like illuminated it with the force. You must confront Vader. Then, only then, a Jedi will you be. And confront him you will. Well, and interesting, too, with the edit droid, this footage, them playing around with different angles to shoot this scene. Because this is, like, this is the angle that's in the movie. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's how you make movies, right? Like, you try it this way, try it that way. We just don't always get to see it. And that's, like we were saying, like, yeah, let's see it all. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see all the takes. Yeah, why not? Especially when you got, yeah, something like the Yoda puppet, which is just... Every new picture or, or or scene of the Yoda puppet is a gift. Yes. Unexpected this is. And unfortunate. Unfortunate that I know the truth. Unfortunate that you rushed to face him. That incomplete was your training. That not ready for the burden were you. I think it's wild too that the Obi-Wan line is in literally every single take. Again, I want to watch yeah. finished Return of the Jedi and see if you can see where the cut happened. Fear for you, I do. Yes. Fear for you. Master, I'm sorry. Face Vader, you must. And sorry will not help. Yeah, back to Mark Hamill reactions. It's interesting Luke saying, like, to, like, Master Yoda, I'm sorry, that he knew... That Vader was his father. Well, is he sorry that he knew or is he sorry that he left? You know, is he sorry that he left, didn't finish the training, found out the Vader stuff and kind of messed up Yoda's plan, basically? Yeah. But it's still the whole thing where, wow, you know, it's like with that line about Obi-Wan wanting to tell him, it's like all of a sudden Obi-Wan seems nicer than he realized. Right. It's like, oh, he really wanted to tell Luke from the beginning and he couldn't because of Yoda. It was Yoda's plan. You think of, yeah, then you think about like, then the next scene when he's talking with a certain point of view scene, when he's talking to Ghost Obi Wan on the log. If you think at that moment, Luke knew that like Obi Wan knew that whole time and didn't tell him. And then Luke is like, You told me Vader betrayed and murdered my father. Yeah. Maybe that's why they cut it because they later explain it kind of on the log. Yeah, that's true. Is Darth Vader my father? But it's you could almost think of it as like at this point, Obi Wan was a little more, a little more Qui Gon than he was when he was younger. But Yoda was still Yoda wasn't ready to let to to chill out. Well, almost like Yoda was 
more worried. I mean, that would make sense too. You think an empire when he's just like, you know, this one can can't be trained. You know, will he finish what he begins and all that stuff? Like he he's like he sits down. He, like Luke does not pass the interview with Yoda right away in Empire. Gone. Yeah. Right. Last of the Jedi. Will you be what you have learned? Look, another scar. Arrest, I need. Arrest. The master, I must know. Your father is. Yes. I'm fortunate that I know the truth. And that's it. That is. That's it. That that felt like five minutes. Charlie Owen. Again, thank you, Charlie Owen. That was the footage. That was the edit droid footage that was used at the demo in 1984. We just experienced it. And really, if you got a free evening and you want a hot double feature, watch the documentary on edit droid and then watch this footage and you can go to bed with a smile on your face. Gather the family Gather all your friends, everybody you know. If you're dating someone or if you're married, if you have a significant other, invite them over and be like, I know you wanted to watch that thing on Netflix or whatever tonight. No, no, no. I got something way hotter. Documentary on the edit droid and the edit droid footage. Double feature. People talking about Barbie and Oppenheimer. Screw that. Do the edit droid documentary, the Return of the Jedi 30 minutes unedited footage. You can light some candles, you can get out some red wine, you can have a nice cheese plate, some sliced meats, whatever you need to set the mood. But yeah, it's a night to remember. If you have a fireplace in your house, get out a rubber puppet and get that puppet really close to the fire. You want to get that puppet piping hot. lightsaber each sold separately as you move your lightsaber the sound of the force moves with you it can be a powerful friend that is your first lesson learn it well the force isn't my lightsaber the force is in all things even you my young jedi the force lightsaber and new yoda puppet each sold separately from kenner star wars the empire strikes back collection This is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dulan, Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Blast Points with Jason and Gabe. May the Force be with you always.
And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. So we're back, but still talking about the same stuff. Apple podcast reviews. We got a few more since our last Dial of Destiny episode. Thank you so much for leaving those, but let's keep it going so more people can find Blast Points. If you listen on Apple, leave us a little review over there. Write something nice. And if you listen on Spotify, leave a five-star review over there, too. And check out our website, BlastPointsPodcast.com. And make sure you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you're part of our Super Chill group. And since we're now back in business, we're talking about Star Wars, we got the Blast Points Army on Patreon, where we will be getting back to getting you folks some good stuff on the Patreon, some exclusive stuff. We've got to get back to our Mandalorian commentaries. We still owe everybody a Last Crusade commentary. I think we probably could be safe to say in the next few weeks we could probably do one of those. Yeah, we're getting we're getting back into the groove here, so bear with us. But that about wraps up number three hundred and sixty-six here. The history of the edit droid, the edit droid footage. I hope we've all learned a lot. I know I have learned a little bit, laughed a little bit. Loved a little bit. All that all that stuff. It's all there in the Editroid. It's all there in Yoda's hut. My heart is hot like a puppet too close to fire. <laughs> like, like Ben Burt editing an educational film about the Alamo. That's the spirit going into the second half of the summer here. But we will be back next week with more fun, more craziness. We're going to be talking about something even older than the Edit Droid. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a fun one. So make sure you're back. So, all right, everybody. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll talk to you very soon. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. If we remember how to do this. <laughs> yeah. May the force be with you! Ah!